Gabriel with Things to Crown Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. You have a choice in podcasting. You chose mine, and I'm glad you did, because I have an unbelievable guest today on my podcast. I'm so excited to introduce. I don't even think he needs an introduction, because the guy is just well-renowned and known and writes books and is brilliant and inspiring people all over the country and the world, in fact. Um, but we have today with us Zach Mercurio. He is a PhD, which is very impressive. Just want to add that in there. He's an author, keynote speaker, consultant. He's a researcher specializing, and this is what I love so much, specializing in purposeful leadership. I almost want to repeat that one more time. Purposeful leadership, meaningful work, and a positive organizational philosophy. My guy right here is an author of Invisible Leader. So if you haven't picked up the book, please do. We're going to tell you where to get it later. The book is about transforming your life, your work, your organization with the power of authentic purpose. Oh, I can't wait to dive in. Um, in his work, he has worked with over 100 global companies and conferences with audiences around the world. See, I said he was a world-round um, speaker. Zach has helped forge leaders and provides practical tools to cultivate positive organizational team cultures and enable more meaningful, motivating, and well-being and their work performance. So some of his clients and partners include, which he's got a good lineup, American Express Global Business uh, Travel, Michelin, Franklin Templeton, uh, the Government of Canada, Hewitt Packard, the Food and Drug Administration, Alzheimer's Association. Um, they say Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's Association, the National Park Service, the Ghirardelli Chocolate Company, Crocs, and Simon Sinook. I mean, geez, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Zach. Lisa, thanks for having me here. Can you follow around me around and introduce me to people? every day oh my god Zach, that was awesome so cool. i love simon sanook start with why buddy yeah i thank you for being here of course yeah simon's great big influence he made made purpose mainstream which has helped a lot and uh and it's powerful it really is actually it was one of my requirements in my coaching program uh to read to start with why because he Good. was just it was to me, and I, I'm, we're so tapping on that today. I'm not letting you come off this call until I <laughs> tap into, because you are such a big, you are like so driven in that space. And it's just fascinating that you've worked with him, but now I need to shift it to the invisible leader. So we're, mm -hmm. we're going to have that. Hey, everybody, future clients that's coming in on deck. Tell me about yourself in a nutshell. Yeah. So my why is to help people realize their own significance. Mm -hmm. I've known since a very early age, being the youngest of three that I was hardwired to both not only entertain myself as the youngest, but to also compare myself. You know, I was always searching for significance, almost hardwired to search for significance. And that's a primal human desire. Uh, when you're born, the first thing that you do is you tilt your head upward to look for someone to value you. You almost are born searching for mattering before you're searching for food. Wow. And that primal instinct and making sure that primal instinct is met, that need for significance is, is what I'm doing now. And the way I do it is through researching meaningfulness, researching purpose, and then working with organizations on making this common sense idea of starting with why and making sure we all know that we matter and turning it into common practice. Because one of the biggest problems that I see is that common sense is not always common practice. We all know we need a purpose. We all know we want to feel significant. 
we all know that others want to feel significant, but it's turning it into the common practice of that's going to create flourishing for organizations and, and human beings. That's and so I research, one. I consult, I write, um, all to that end of helping people in wherever they are in business, school, life, to realize their own significance and take responsibility for their impact. Oh, that's so good. Gosh, that take responsibility. I feel like that should be a course in college. I feel like when you get out and you're, okay, you're an adult now. Okay, well, now you have to take the course on taking responsibility or taking the course on finding your purpose. Like, I I really feel that's like missing in life, to be honest, because Mm. figuring that stuff out later and like, I feel geared out later in life. It's just, um, I think it should be a requirement. I love that. Um, okay, so let's talk about the purpose piece to share a little bit of some of your best practices in helping someone because I know a lot of these listeners listening right now are like, ooh, you tap into purpose for me, Zach, pretty please. Well, my biggest piece of advice is to stop trying to find it somewhere out there. It's not in a blog post with a millennial stock photograph running through a field, five steps to find your purpose. (laughs) You can't find your purpose because it's not out there. Your purpose is not out there waiting to be found. It's usually right where you are waiting to be acknowledged. You have strengths. Those strengths make an impact. Purpose, you're on purpose. Anytime your unique gifts make a unique impact. We do it every day. Your purpose is right here where you are in the next moment, in the next conversation. Uh, As you think about the next person you're going to talk to, instead of thinking, oh, how am I going to get through this meeting or what do I have to do? Ask yourself. How can I use my unique gifts to impact this person today? And once you start thinking like that, you move from this idea of having purpose to being purposeful. There's a big difference. You can have a great start with why statement. You can have a great purpose statement. I know plenty of people that have purpose statements, but they can't tell you for the life of them what they are when you ask them, right? There's a difference between having purpose and being purposeful. If purpose is our contribution, then being purposeful is contribution-centered thinking, being, and doing. One tip I have for you is think about the questions you ask yourself. Um, I realized two years ago that I would wake up, I would look at my phone, and the voice in my head would say, what do I have to do today? When you ask that question, the day becomes a burden, something to get through. What do I have to do? It's a list of things. So I started asking myself, and I'm not a journaler. I have to force myself to do it. I started asking, how is what I'm going to do today going to impact other people? And all of a sudden, right, the day becomes an opportunity. The meeting that I'm having becomes more humanized. And once your brain knows something, it can't unknow something. So start with being purposeful. Listeners, I'm going to give you one tip of advice. If you're driving, you really should pull over. I want you to take notes. I want you to take notes. I want you to write down these are tools. This is a tool, what you just said. I'm going to use it. You just changed my morning, you know? going to impact people today. I want you guys to write this down because this is the part that we're all really, really hungry for, really, really starving for this, for the roadmap to get there. Right. Mm. So thank you. That was a big piece of it. I want to ask you about a theory that you have that I heard about. It's come up about elephants don't bite, but mosquitoes do. And I know it's a theory of yours and it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Can you share it? Yeah, it actually comes from this obscure book about customer service years ago, but, and it was buried in there. And it's this idea of like, when you travel, if you're going to Africa to go on a safari, right? What do you get shots for? Well, you get shots for like malaria, things that very small mosquitoes 
uh, carry, right? But you're going there to see these big things like elephants. Like you don't send postcards back home with a mosquito on it, even though that's the thing that could kill you, right? So this idea of elephants don't bite, but mosquitoes do is a reminder that it's not the big things that really make a difference. It's the small things. Like for example, what we think leaves a leadership legacy is usually not what actually leaves a legacy. We go on LinkedIn and we post about our product launches and all the big accomplishments. Do you ever see anybody go and post, I remembered someone's last name today, or I remembered my FedEx driver's name, or I asked about my team member's family. I remembered my client's kids' names. Those are the things that leave your legacy. They're the small things. They're the mosquitoes. They're the things that actually matter. So elephants don't bite, but mosquitoes do is the philosophy that we communicate our purpose and our contribution through extremely small acts. Small acts create big joy. I'll give you an example. We were just talking about this. I was in Disney World last week with my kids and my four-year-old fell and scraped his knee. I mean, you know what happened? Four-year-old falls. It's like instant. It could be a downward spiral. Within a minute, there was a cast member there offering him an ice pack with a little character on it. Yes. Within a minute. Right. And instantly it turned that moment around. He could have spiraled, but he had an unbelievable time. Right. And that's their purpose, right. To create happiness. And it's, it's delivered through small acts, not through wearing shirts that say, I exist to create happiness. It's through giving a four year old an ice pack. What are the small things, you know, that you do every day that communicate your reason for being the contribution that you want to make? It's not the big things. It's the small things. I love that. And we can't not matter. Right. Like you, everything you do has an infinite impact every day and purposeful people tend to think about it and take responsibility for it. As we talked about. Love that. You know what I hear? I can hear my listeners say, what's the difference between the purpose and the why? Hmm. Yeah. The why, I think it's the same thing. The why is your contribution. The why is like your ultimate contribution. Like we talk about a why statement. It's like the, the bigger ultimate reason for existence of a particular entity of you or a bigger organization, but purpose and being purposeful is focusing on your contribution. So purpose and why are the same. It's like, but there's your purpose, the why, and there's the purpose of whatever it is you're doing. Is it the like impact the subhead it of it? Like your why is so crystal clear and then the purpose is like- the I actual- think I think they're synonymous. You know, I think purpose yes. and your why is your contribution. But where I make a distinction is that being purposeful is thinking in such a way where the contribution that you want to make is at the forefront of even your smallest acts and tasks. Mm. Right. And so I think purpose and why are inter- interchangeable as long as when you talk about why you're talking about your, your contribution, your usefulness, um, being purposeful is being contribution centered in your thinking, being, and doing. Again, there's a difference between having a why statement and approaching your everyday by thinking about how your task connects to and delivers that why. That's mm. being purposeful. I love that. Do you, um, can you share a little bit to, for the people who are going to be buying your book because they're going to be in my class, The Invisible Leader. Can you give us a little bit of color on the direction you go in your book? And I know you tap on like purpose, mission, vision, like that's a big piece mm-hmm. of it. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah. So 
the invisible leader is a term that was coined in 1928 by this amazing woman named Mary Parker Follett. And she was actually a management scholar in the 1920s as a woman, which is an amazing feat. And her, a lot of her work got buried over the course of history, but it's brilliant. And she had this saying where she said, leaders and followers are both following the invisible leader, the common purpose. And really what that means and what we know from the research is that a bigger purpose, that bigger why, that bigger contribution that we want to make, the legacy that we want to leave as an individual, a team or an organization is the ultimate leader. And great leaders make it as easy as possible for everybody to see and connect with that bigger purpose, that bigger contribution. Um, I'm reminded of the NASA story where John F. Kennedy was going into the Space Center to give a mis- give a speech to launch the Apollo missions. And he went into a mop closet that he thought was a green room to prep for a speech. And he said, hey, what do you do here to the janitors that were there? And one guy got up, looked at him in the eye and said, oh, I'm putting a person on the moon and then went back to his work. And what researchers at the Wharton School find when they research NASA during that time is that every uh, unit at NASA had what was called a ladder to the moon, where people could visibly see how each task met measurable objectives that would ultimately put a person on the moon by the end of the decade. And the the leaders made sure that that bigger purpose was even more important than them. So in our lives, in our organizations, the most powerful influencers of our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors is not a person. It's a bigger purpose and great leaders make that clear. Mm, That is so good. That is so good. I love that. I love the theory. I love your mindset around, you know, you just, you're so in this whole, and it's what I do in my coaching work. It's like your purpose, your mission, your vision. It's about why people commit to work. You know, mm. I know that you tap on that and, you know, what makes people commit to, to work? Yeah. You know, as we've been seeing this, people have been calling it the great resignation. You know, I think it's really just a demand for dignity. When people feel replaceable, they will act replaceable. Why are people surprised? When people feel like they're just a number or that you could replace them, then they'll leave. They won't commit. But when people feel irreplaceable, they act irreplaceable. They show up, they commit when they feel needed. And so that's, I think, at the core of what commits people to an organization is when people feel like they matter. And, you know, good leaders tell people that they matter, but great leaders show people exactly how they matter. And that means noticing people. I mean, little things, right? Like noticing if someone's struggling and there's a difference between knowing somebody and noticing somebody. You can know your best friend, but not notice they're struggling. You can know your team, but not notice that one of your team members' parents are in the hospital, right? So noticing is that act of seeing people and then affirming people. So showing people how their unique gifts make a unique impact regularly. And then showing people that they're needed. When's the last time in the last two weeks you said to someone around you, if it wasn't for you, you know, if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't be possible. What the research indicates is that when someone doesn't believe that they matter, it's easy for nothing to matter. Mm. So that's why I think that commitment starts with mattering and making sure people feel noticed, affirmed, and needed. And it's a skill set. A hundred percent. I feel I'm, I'm like looking out into my audience and my crowd. It's like in the title world, 
we get to do this also as title sales executives. It's not just our leader's responsibility to do something to us, but it's our responsibility to do it to the people that are part of our staff, right? Our receptionists, our assistants, our escrow officers, our even our clients. We even get mm. to do that with our clients. It's not just even, right? Especially your clients. Especially your clients. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, apply this. This, this is... This is not a positional thing. I mean, this is this is like this is running deep. Right. Can you imagine if every client felt seen, they felt affirmed, and they felt like they were indispensable to the business that you did? They would be forever loyal. Right. And when I mean, and when when we feel like we matter, there's nothing more powerful than a human being who believes they matter. You're absolutely right. And that's like when someone really believes that someone's relying on them that they have unique gifts and they can see how those gifts make a difference when someone feels seen. I mean, really uh, when we look at the research, the psychological research, it's one of the most powerful protectors against things like burnout, stress, anxiety, depression. Um, You know, when we look at adolescents who are stressed and have clinical anxiety and depression, one of the biggest sources of that is feelings of anti-mattering. When we look in the workplace, upwards of 65% of the population, U.S. population, U.S. employees indicate they feel undervalued in work. Uh, so again, commitment starts with creating mattering. What about relationships? Yeah, and it's the mattering is delivered through our relationships. Yeah, Here's another like, thing that's look, powerful. Look how many divorces we have. Oh yeah, right. Can you imagine if they, you right. know, if yep. that was their forefront. And now let's go back to the beginning of this, where it starts with having that purposeful mindset, right? Yeah. Because you have to yes. be contribution centered in order to create mattering for other people. For example, if you're in a relationship and your mindset is, what can I get from this relationship? Then you're always going to be professionally disappointed. Yes. If you are in a job, if you're in a sales relationship and you're like, hmm, what can I get from this client? It's not going to be a very long lasting client relationship. Right. But if you start thinking, what can I give to this? You know, what can I give to this client? Um, in what ways can I use my gifts to make this person's life better? And both are doing that. That's the foundation that you need to start creating mattering for other people. So spot on. So spot on. I'm asking you so many random questions because I just want to pick every part of your brain. Okay. That's all right. Let's go. Yeah. I just, I'm tapping onto this. I'm tapping onto that. I just, you know, I'm, I feel a little all over the place in this interview because you have such a brilliant mind and your theories are so incredible. Like, for example, I'm interested in like this whole turn a profit and care for people, which ties in to what we were just talking about. But talk to me about turning the profit with doing that, because I just mm-hmm. got the phone actually with a coaching call with someone like, you know, the person wants my stuff, 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 but they never give me the title order. So I'm like giving, you know, I'm giving hmm. some stuff, which I pull it from them. You know, it's, I hmm. want to talk about turning the profit. Yeah. So profit is a result. And like my first grader is learning the, the difference between cause and effect, right? Profit yeah. is an effect. The thing that people get caught up in, in business, I think, is that they try to pursue an effect to get an effect. But even my first grader knows that's impossible. You can't try to make, you can't make money by trying to make money because you're trying to create a result to get a result. It's bizarre that we think this way, but instead every 
effect has a cause. The cause is your contribution. So purposeful people and purposeful organizations tend to obsessively pursue optimizing their cause and their contribution to their people and to the people around them, their clients, their customers, their employees, and they trust that the effects will follow. Right. That's profit, right? You have profit because of purpose. So you can deliver more purpose. So it's, it's not profit or purpose. It's profit because of purpose. And this is nothing new, right? It's just, it's just value creation. If you don't create value for humans and don't focus on the value you create, you won't have profit. But though it's not, it's not as present as it should be, as it should be. You know what I'm saying? Where we're getting out of that. And all of a sudden people feel like order. I need the order. I started to just tell my clients across the board. When you call the prospect, you don't need an order from them. That's get that out of the building. Mm. We want an appointment. Sure. But what value do you bring? And so I bring back some of this basic stuff in my own coaching program and people would think like, Oh, that's normal. Yeah. That's normal. But no, you're right. It is. That's the profit comes when the purpose is crystal clear, but also, you know, having caring for the people, caring for them and giving and showing that value uh, Yeah. I mean, like just audience members, just think about this. What financial outcome is not mediated through a human being? Name one, right? We can't. So if I were to ask you, well, what's the ideal state of a human being to mediate those financial outcomes? You would say all of these things I'm talking about, they matter, they're motivated, they're well, right? Whoever they are along the service chain. And so it's just a matter of what we're really bad at as human beings is we are bad at understanding the difference between leading indicators and lagging indicators. So lagging indicators, profit is a lagging indicator of purpose of the value you add. But we don't like to to have that distance between what we're doing and the result. We like to think that we're getting the result right now. It's like the instant gratification. Yes. We want to get the result, get the numbers up. And I'll give you an example from the sales world. I was working with a vice president of sales who said, Zach, you know, I like your purpose stuff, but when the number, when the numbers are down, I just need my people to get the numbers up. And so I'm like, okay, great. Let's walk this through. What do you do when the numbers are down? She goes, well, I get everybody into a room and I say, we got to get the numbers up next quarter. What are we going to do? And I say, how does that go? She says, well, it's usually a short meeting and people leave really discouraged. Is that going to help you get the numbers up? No. Right. So all I had her do is I said, next time this happens, what I want you to do is I want you to say, how can we contribute better to our customer to get the numbers up and see what happens in the room? So she goes in and she has that conversation and they, people stay for three hours brainstorming how they could better contribute to the customer. Right. It's not that the profit doesn't matter. It's the questions we asked. Are we directing people's attention and our attention to what matters? Because if you ask people, how can we get the numbers up? How can we get more orders? They're just going to try to manipulate the system to get more orders. But if you ask people, how can we um, contribute more to the people that we need to make the decision, then it's a transformative question. And it's all about leading and lagging indicators. That is a perfect timing. Because right now we're in a space where our realtor partners need listings. So I love how you, you guys should rewind us right now, to be honest. So you can listen to that little segment right there, because if you can use what you can do in contribution to help them obtain more listings, that's better messaging than being on the forefront yes. to get their next order. 
Yes, it's a great example. Um, let's see, what else? Motivation issue versus a system issue. You're big about that. I am. Yeah. So all people issues are systems issues. You know, the story that I talk about is that, you know, and I say the good rule for leaders is treat, treat every person issue as a systems issue until proven otherwise. Okay. And what I mean by that is that behaviors, human behaviors are symptoms of systems. So systems, meaning the underlying culture, because environment and culture does two things. It either makes their behavior possible or it determines that the behavior will happen. You know, for example, here's how culture impacts behavior, but it's a, it's kind of a bad example, but I'll give it. Imagine if I moved into a neighborhood and the neighborhood had a pool, the pool being there makes it possible that I could swim. If someone said you need to pass a test, a swimming test to live in this neighborhood, the environment and culture would be determining that I would have to swim. Right? So this is how, you know, environment does two things. It either determines behavior or makes it possible. So whatever behavior you're seeing, whether it's a motivation is to ask yourself, is my environment making this behavior possible? Or is it determining that people will not be motivated? Um, So an example is we know that motivation comes from four things, relationships, autonomy, mastery, learning, and, and purpose, right? So making sure you have a system that's consistently, do you have a system in place that's consistently regenerating people's energy through cultivating relationships, autonomy, mastery, and purpose? The outcome of that will be motivation or behavior. But the key is, is that most of the energy issues we see in organizations or most of the people issues are also systems issues. Interesting. So you can so, ask yourself, do it, does my system regenerate or extract from people's energy? Let me ask you this. What advice? So we have a lot of salespeople listening right now that are grinding that their mindsets are a little challenged right now. We've got a dip in the market. Yeah. Um, even though if you really look on it year over year over year, we're probably back to a more normal technical market, but it doesn't matter because we've been so high for two years that they're feeling a dip. What advice do you have for people who need a little bit of a pep talk? Mm. I would start thinking about, well, when we talk about resilience, right? Resilience is the capacity to keep going in the face of difficulty, the capacity to bounce back. We all have that capacity, right? Capacity is like, I have the capacity to go run three miles, but if I just went out and did it without running or training, then it wouldn't work very well. And oftentimes what happens like with resilience and difficult times like this is we tend as human beings to search for it when we need it. So like if you do a Google search term of resilience in March, 2020, you'll see the search term resilience spiked right during the pandemic, right? But what resilience is, is it's holistic well-being. And that's something to start cultivating now. And the number one thing is purpose and meaning. I go back and I'm going to get a little philosophical, but Viktor Frankl wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was a psychiatrist and also a concentration camp prisoner in some of the most horrific conditions this planet has ever known. And he quoted the philosopher Nietzsche when he said, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. And he talked about that people who are in those conditions, in that camp, his fellow prisoners, 
when they had a why to live for that was outside their current situation, they tended to do things like help each other and to start exhibiting this purposefulness. He went in, on and started educating people in the vocational work context around these things after he survived and, and was released. But those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. So if you're really struggling, you know, write down this question, who needs you to thrive? Who needs you? Write down their name. If they're your family, if you're your friends, if they're your client, write down their name, write down their full names and put them on your computer in the morning, on your mirror in the morning. Put those names. Find some way to remind yourself of who needs you. Um, you know, when I look at my work in the pandemic with clients who had to lay people off, one of the, the key characteristics that characterized people who moved through this challenge really well was they didn't ask, how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do now? They started asking, who needs me to get through this? So who needs you right now? The other thing is to reflect on times of difficulty that you've made it through. And you have, because everybody listening, you have a hundred percent survival rate. You are already resilient. So ask, when was a difficult challenge and I made it through and what strengths did I lean on? And what you'll find is that there are probably some strengths that you already have to be resilient that you're not using now. Which one of those can I use right now? Is it resourcefulness? Is it your social support, your social support network? Is it self-care? Um, and those two things can be really powerful. So await, reawaken the resources to build, be resilient that you already have. And it starts with that question of, of who needs you to thrive. Thank you for that. That was great advice for them. Appreciate that. Um, I was going to ask you, how does one really tap into when I say, what's your why, what drives you when I say that to my students mm. and they go, I got nothing coach, nothing's coming yeah. up. Nothing gets me out of bed. Like it's cause I say, what gets you out of bed? Like it's Christmas morning. What inspires you? You know? Um, mm. and then mm -hmm. sometimes people say to me and through the years, I've heard people saying over and over, like, well, I love my kids, but like, that's not what gets me out of bed or gets me to, you know, make that call to the mega target who's giving me anxiety. So I tap into that. There's something else there though, because your yes. kids are predominant. Like for me, if you said to me right now, what's your why, Lisa? I would not say, I wouldn't just say my kids, they'd be written on my thing. So I would write yeah, them down. Right. But the next layer to that, because I want, because people want to really figure out, because as you can see, it plays such a big role in everything. Mine is financial freedom. I don't mm -hmm. want to be paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. want them to struggle. I don't want them to have, Mm -hmm. similar upbringing to, you know, me where I got 50 cents for lunch, but lunch was 13 bucks. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't want my kids to be in that. And there's that fight, like to think you're going to compromise my fans with freedom. I'll, I'll call anybody. I'll call 150 people right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of a sudden it turns on this bone in me. That's relentless. Right. That's resilient. That's, you know, determined. How do we tap into that for our students? How do we get them to really get the, the click mm. on the why? Yeah. I think that, you know, when we think about purpose again, or, or your why, it's the combination of three things. It's the things you love to do, the things you're good at, and the impact that you want to make. For you, with your impact, like you're thinking about, I don't want other people to go through this, what I went through right? With, without finding, I don't want people in the absence, to be in the absence of financial freedom. Right. So that's the, the impact piece, how you use your passions and your talents to achieve that impact. That's where you get 
your purpose. One of the things that I love doing, and I teach a group of college students on a leading with authentic purpose course. It's one of the things I do on the side that I love. And I have them for three months every day. They keep three lists. What did I love doing today? And I don't care what it is. So write it down. If you love spending time with your kids, that's great. Because a lot of times if you go deeper into that, some people say they're kids. What is it about your kids? What is it about parenting? Right. Is it feeling needed? Is it guiding people? Because there you go. You can take that into your work. Um, It's always something deeper, as you said really well there. So what did you love to do today? Write down three things. What were you good at today? So what were you really good at? I don't care if it was booking flights. Like what were you good at? I'm pretty good at that. What were you good at? What did you do well? Write down three things. And then finally write down what bothered you about the world today? Or if you don't like that question, how did you contribute to another human being today? And what you'll find, if you did this for a week, you'd have 21 lists of your passions, your talents, and the impact you make. And what you'll notice is you will notice themes. You will notice themes. You'll notice themes are your passions. You'll notice themes of your talents. Those two things, you'll start seeing strengths, and then you'll see your impact. Thank you for that. That's a great- So I really encourage people to do that. And you don't have to- write it down. You can just think about it if you want, but those three things, and that helps people get out of this. Like I have to have this big purpose. I don't know what my purpose is. You already have purpose, right? Again, when we go through, it's not, you don't find it. It's there. It's there. You have strengths, you have an impact. What is it? And what do you want? What do you want that legacy to be? I, you changed my perspective on it because I like the lens you're looking through on this whole topic. But it's our, your purpose is already here. It's the discovery I think we need to tap into and having a little bit of an exercise. I'm a list person. So you just spoke to me. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, guys, write it down. Hashtag, write it down. Hashtag theme. We love that. Um, but that was great because I we need an exercise to transition the people who are just close to it to having clarity and a way to kind of get a little bit more clear on it. So let me ask you, people are going to want to buy your book. How do they do that? How do we go about buying your book or seeing you speak, or you only do speaking engagements if you're in to an, in an operation? I do a lot of in-organization speaking engagements, but I typically post what I'm doing uh, on LinkedIn. You can follow me there. I have a lot of fun on LinkedIn. And then um, go to zachmercurio.com backslash books. And that's where you can buy it from wherever. If you want to buy it from Amazon or Barnes and Noble, you can get it from there. Uh, and then, yeah, I really encourage you to engage with me, connect with me. Uh, you can send me an email, zach at zachmercurio.com. If you have follow-up questions to this. I love working with people on some of this stuff because one of the things that I like doing, and I know one of your questions is like, what, what, like what's next for you? And my, my goal yeah. is to systematize this stuff, right? To make this not as overwhelming. There's a lot of like purpose anxiety out there. When you tell people, 100%. go find your purpose, it's so big. It's so theoretical that every Forbes article tells you you need purpose, but it's like when someone tells you, go eat better. And you search on Google, it's like, well, I don't know what to do. There's 15 million eating plans, right? So my goal is to just really make it practical. It's asking different questions. It's focusing on your strengths. It's focusing on the next interaction you have. And just like anything else, once you start doing it, motivation comes. And you start to develop habits of purpose. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, I do have strengths and I do make an impact on people. 
And that is the moment where you've really clarified and awakened your purpose. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for that. <clears throat> now, I, um, I hate to, I want to talk to you all <laughs> It's not bad. God. I feel like I have a million questions more. I know we got to wrap. You're a busy guy. Let me ask you this. In life or in business, what do you know for sure? I know that people have the primal instinct to want significance. Everybody you interact with, every client is a human being living a life as vivid, complex, and as important as your own. If you just start thinking like that, like think when you see like a client or a, or a coworker and you imagine them going home and sitting down for dinner with people who desperately love them. And then you think to yourself, how am I improving the moment I'm in with them? That will transform everything. And so what I, I know, but what I know for sure is that all people desire significance. They desire to feel like they matter even if they make you mad sometimes, even if they frustrate you sometimes. And that's the leading indicator of all these lagging indicators we want in business and in life, which is flourishing, profit, success, right? When we can feel that yearning for significance. Zach, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time today and your words of wisdom and your, I have so many nuggets and takeaways. I'm going to listen to this podcast back to write down even more because I just want to be so present with what you're saying. Thank you because there's a lot of salespeople listening to this right now that are like, thank you for giving me that key to opening up a door to tap into my purpose with a plan. And you get more of that if you listen to his book, I'm the Invisible Leader. Thank you so much for inspiring other people. Your purpose is loud and clear. Um, appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you.